King, glad you're here. Why don't you turn around and be loud? They got the door shut. Tell them thanks for our lunch today. Good job always on our lunch. We're back rolling. I want to encourage you to be, to be thinking about who you can invite to join you every single week. Uh, we want to continue to see our men's lunch grow. Think about who can join you, who you, can you meet, who can you pick up and have here with you on Thursdays. Again, glad that you're here. Today we're going to keep moving. We're in 2 Peter going verse by verse. An interesting thing happens when you go verse by verse. Uh, you travel across a whole bunch of different verses and it speaks into different situations and it speaks different messages all from the Word of God, and it brings us to different points in our life at different times in our life. Well, today as we begin, really it's going to bring us uh, the set of verses we're going to look at to a point of evaluation today, really a point of self-evaluation today. The question to start off with is this. Is your Christian faith a piece of your life, or is it your life? Is your Christian faith a compartment of your life, or is it who you are? Is it, is it a, a compartment of, of who you are? Or is it the totality of who you are? I mean, just tell you, a whole bunch of us today have made our faith a component of our total self. And what that means is I am a man, but I have my work life, and I keep that over here, and I have my, my, my friends, and I have that life, and I have that over here, and I have, I have my family, and I have that life, and I have that over there, and I have all of these, these pieces of my life. And over here, one of the pieces of my life is my faith. This, this component of my life is my faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? When I'm with my friends, I'm in that section. And when I'm at work, I have that section. And when I'm making the decisions in my home, I'm operating in that compartment. And then sometimes when, when something goes wrong, or, or usually, I'll just be honest, when I foul up one of the other compartments in my life, or maybe when it comes to the point that I'm having to, to think about death and I want to go to heaven, all of a sudden the big uh, compartment in my life is the faith compartment. And, and man, I've messed up my marriage or I've messed up my home or I've, I've messed up my career, whatever that is, and all of a sudden I go over to my faith life and everything else is not working out and all of a sudden this becomes a big part of my life. Uh, for sure, I get to the point where, you know what, I'm having to think about death, and so all of a sudden, I'm having to really make a big part of my life, my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, let me, let me tell you today, and it's going to be all the way through, that is not true Christianity. That's not what it is to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, be sure of that. That may be what we're doing, but that is not biblical Christianity. The Bible tells us as Christians, we have died and Christ now lives in us. Think about what that means. I have died. My priority set, my goals, my mission, they have passed away, and Christ now lives in me. The Bible says as Christians, the old has passed away, and Paul says, behold, which means look with your eyes, the new has come. Biblically, our Christian faith is who we are. Our Christian faith, that is who we are. It dominates our family life. It controls our friend life. It dictates our work life, our, our priorities. The totality of our life is set by the fact that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Every part of us is, is consumed with following Jesus Christ. Well, as we're moving along through 2 Peter, we're going to see this today. Now, uh, the last time we met, 
a couple of weeks back, we saw this list of traits that Christians should possess. I'm going to back up. We're, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to encourage you every week, if you have a Bible, bring your Bible with you to our men's lunch. I'm going to back up and look at this list again. First Pe- 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in the fifth verse. It says this. Here's the list. Now for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. As a Christian, you're to show moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. That's the truth about who Jesus Christ is. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Again, the list here in verses 5 through 7. Well, today we pick up on the tail end of that, and I'm going to jump in and read verse 8. Now, it says this. Listen very carefully. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the listing in verses 5 through 7, then verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me, let me explain what that means. The true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ is talking about a saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's not just saying, well, I know the name Jesus or I've heard about Jesus on the cross, or, or at Christmas we're going to celebrate Jesus. It is talking about a saving knowledge, a saving faith in Jesus Christ. It means that we understand we have a sin problem, that he is the Savior for sin. He's God's anointed, the Messiah sent to fix the sin problem. Uh, he has been crucified, paying the price, the atonement for our sin. He has risen from the dead. He now stands as the reigning king. It is a saving knowledge a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Well, the verse says this. If the qualities that we just read in verses 5 through 7, if those qualities are yours, now what that means in the Greek, it means ownership of. Now think about that list. You possess those things. You own those things. You have those things. If those qualities are yours, And if they are increasing, that that means what it says. If they are growing, if there's more of them than there there was in the past, it means if you have self-control, you possess it, but you're also increasing in your self-control. It means that you have love. You possess it, but you're also growing in love. It means that you have kindness, but you're also growing in kindness. It says if you possess those things, And if you are increasing in those things, then here's the truth. You are neither useless nor unfruitful in your faith. Here's the the flip side of that. If you do not possess the things in that list, and if you're not increasing in the things on that list, then the Bible just said you are useless and you're unfruitful in your faith. That's the fact. If if you're not possessing those things and if you're not increasing in those things, then the Bible just said you are useless, you're unfruitful in your faith. Now, I want you to be sure of this. Listen very carefully. God doesn't leave you here once you're saved to do nothing. God doesn't leave you here once you're saved 
saying, well, you reached the finish line. Just do what you need to do. Go ahead and, and move through your life. I'll catch up with you at the end. He leaves you here after you're saved to be useful. He leaves us here after we're saved to bear fruit. Now, let, me, let me make this very plain for us today. The reason we exist in this age as saved followers of Jesus Christ is to bring glory to God. That's very clear. But let me, let me tell you this. Maybe this is not as, as clear. The number one way that we bring glory to God in these days is to lead people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? We're here. We're existing to bring glory to God. And in these days, in the church age, the number one way that we bring glory to our God is to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. It takes perseverance. Look at the list to do that. It takes love to endeavor to do that. It takes brotherly kindness to do that. To live as a, as a true witness of Jesus Christ, it takes the things on those lists. So what the Bible says this, if you possess those things and if you're growing in those things, you're going to be useful to the cause of Jesus Christ. But if you do not possess those things and if you're not growing in those things, you're unfruitful and you're unuseful in your faith. Verse 9, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Now, there's a couple of possibilities here about verse 9. Verse 9 says this. If you do not possess these things and you're not growing in these things, here's a couple of things. Number one, there's a possibility, and I'll just tell you, it's a strong possibility you're not saved. If you do not possess those qualities and you're not growing in those qualities, there is a very strong possibility that you're not saved. We, we think, well, save means goes to the church. Save means professes something with your mouth. Bible says, you know what, there is fruit that comes out of a follower of Jesus Christ. One of the possibilities is if you do not possess those things, and if you're not growing in those things, maybe you're not saved. Another possibility is this. If you are saved, and this is a possibility, it's what it's talking about. If you are saved and you do not possess those things, and you're not increasing in those things, then the other choice is this. You've forgotten what it means to be saved. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you know who he is and you have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and yet these things are not evident in your life and they're not increasing in your life, you've forgotten what it means to be saved. Now what that means is this. You've forgotten what it, mean, what it means to be in your sin, to be condemned before a holy God, to be sitting under the wrath of God towards sin, to know the truth that you're going to die in that sin and that dying in that sin, you're going to go to hell and spend eternity because of that sin. If you are not possessing these things and growing in these things as the follower of Jesus Christ, this verse says, you know what, you've forgotten what it means to be saved. Because this, it says, because Christ purified us. You know what, I was guilty. You know what, I did those things. You know what, I was condemned. You know what, I was going into an eternity in hell. But he saved me, purified me through his work on the cross. Verses 10 and 11, I'm going to read them together. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, work at it, to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. 
when you're saved, this, this is kind of a complicated set of verses. Let me tell you, when you're saved, uh, the Bible is very clear, you have eternal life. When you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. How many people do you know, and maybe some of you are going to fall in this category, that they're not sure if they have eternal life? They would say, you know what, I'm not completely confident that I have eternal life. And sometimes somebody will be sick and they'll say, hey, we need the the preacher to go by their house and visit with them and I'll go in and and sit down and start to talk to them. And they're they're in the process of passing away and I'll, I'll start to talk about what this means. And they'll say, you know what, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm 80 years old. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm 62 years old. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm not sure if I have eternal life. And they'll say, well, you know what? I used to go to church as a kid. You know, my granny used to pray for me. Well, in eighth grade that one time at the vacation Bible school, I, I went to the front of the church, but I, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Or, or a lot of folks will just say this, I hope so. I, I hope I am. Well, do you have a relationship with Christ? I, I, I think I do. I hope I'm saved. Well, I want to tell you the, the truth of what this list is telling us here. If you possess this list, and if you're increasing in the things of this list, and notice it says that you have to be diligent to do so, you have to work at it. It's not a magic trick. But if you're diligent to, to grow in the things of this list, you can know that you're saved. Now, now what that means is this. It's not some magic formula, but, but what, it, what it means is this. Love... Sometimes it's not natural to me. For sure, forgiveness sometimes is not natural to me. You know, and so somebody does something, I think, you know what, I'm going I'm to pay them back. You know what, I, I'm, I'm thinking of ways to pay them back. I'm going to make their kids hurt for this. I, it, that's the things that go through my mind. You know what, when you're able to forgive, it's a sign that God lives inside of you. When you're able to love unlovable people, it's a sign that God lives inside of you. When you have self-control, a lost person has no self-control. You know what? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to participate in that. They run around, they have no self-control. When you're able to say, you know what? This doesn't honor God, and I'm going to step away from it. It's because Jesus Christ lives inside you. You know what? When you are saved, these things begin to take root, and you can know that you're saved. Now, be sure and hear me here. You're not saved by doing these things, but because you're saved, you desire to do these things. There's there's some religions that say, well, if you'll do these things, then you're good enough to get saved. None of us fit that category. But you know what? If I know who Christ is, and I know the mess that I made in my life, and I know the forgiveness that I have in Christ, these things naturally come out of me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Sum it up like this. If these are the characteristics of your life, If these are the things that mark your life, then it's hard to keep your faith in a compartment. That's that's the bottom line of it. If, If these things control your life, if these things mark your life, then it's hard to keep your faith in a compartment. And maybe that's where we need to come back to today. You know what? If these are the things that control your life, you can't have a church life and have a separate business life. You can't keep those things separate. You know what, I go to the church and act this way, but I I cheat on my taxes, I treat my employees like mess, and I'm I'm a ruthless person over here, a lying person over here. You can't keep those things separate if these are the things that mark your life. You know what, if these are the things that mark your life, you can't have a Christian life and then some sort of friend life. Well, what, what would your friends say you look like? 
What does the church say you look like? You know what, if, if these are the things that mark your life, they bleed together and one of them begins to overshadow the other one. If, if these are the things that, that mark your life, you can't come up here with your big old Bible, but then your kids and your wife say something different about you at home. You see, if these are the things that mark your life, it begins to, to change how you treat your wife and how you raise your kids. And if these are the characteristics of your life, they begin to bleed over into all areas of your life and you can no longer have a compartment for your Christian faith. Now, what in the world does that look like? I could give you some examples, but we're going we're gonna to hit some verses very quickly. And I'm going to show you the example of what this looks like in the guy that's writing it. The apostle Peter in his life, we're going to see what this looks like. Verse 12. He writes all that, then he sums it up like this. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present in you. Peter says this in the 12th verse. We have to be reminded of these things. And I'll just tell you, that's human nature. He says, you know the truth, but sometimes you got to bring the truth back to sight. You know the truth, but he says we have to be reminded of the truth. The 12th verse says this. Here's the list. Here's what you ought to be diligent to do. And he says, I am ready. I am prepared to bring these things to mind again. Sometimes we have to be reminded. Verse 13. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by the way of reminder. Peter says, I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. Now listen, listen to what Peter's saying here. He says, as long as I'm in this body, that's his earthly dwelling, as long as I'm alive, I consider it right to stir you up by way of reminder. Now think about a couple pictures here. Were you ever 17 years old and you went out in your pickup and just did a bunch of donuts? Just act a fool and just do a bunch of donuts. And you're slinging up dirt everywhere and clouds of dirt are going up. You ever notice what happens when you stop? The dirt settles back down. The dirt comes back down. You're sitting there at your table today. You ever stir up a bunch of tea and you're, you're stirring up the tea and you got your sugar in it? You ever notice what happens when you stop? It stops spinning around. It goes back to the original state. That's what it's talking about. We are inclined to always go back to the original state. He says, it's my job to remind you and to stir you back up. I was thinking about this. You know what? When I was 21 years old, I could bench press 505 pounds. You know what? I can't do a push-up right now, I don't think. You know what? If we leave it alone, it goes back. If we leave it alone, I know the truth. I know what it takes to bench press 505 pounds. If we leave it alone, it goes back. Peter says, it is right that I stir you up, that I bring out the truth, that I keep reminding you of it. Let me just tell you this very practically. Do you know why you need a godly Bible-preaching preacher? And I'm going to tell you, they're getting to be rare, but do you know why you need a godly Bible-preaching preacher? Do you know why you need a godly, God-led, God-gifted teacher? It's because you need to be reminded of the truth of God's Word because left alone, we settle back down. Let me just tell you this. I love the men's lunch. I, I love it. Maybe one of the favorite things I do, I love the men's lunch. But let me just tell you this. If, if all you're getting this week is in the men's lunch, it's not enough. 
I'm glad. You come back next week. But if all you're getting biblically is in the men's lunch, it's not enough. I love Sunday morning. I like to preach on Sunday morning. But I want to tell you what, if all you're getting is coming and sitting on Sunday morning, it's not enough. Peter says we have to be stirred up because as fast as we stop stirring, it settles back out. Now I'm going to read the last three verses, verses 13, 14, and 15 together. I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. Listen to verse 14. Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Verse 14, he says, I know I'm getting ready to die. You know what he says? It's right that I stir you up, verse 13. Verse 14 says, I know that I'm getting ready to die. Jesus said, you're going to die in a similar death that I died. Peter's about to be crucified. The tradition says upside down, he's about to suffer a brutal death. He says, it's all right that I stir you up, verse 14, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. I'm going to die as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Verse 15, and I will also be diligent that at the time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Let me paraphrase what he just says in these three verses. He says, you know what? It's right that I do this. It's right that I stir you up. It's right that I do this. He says, I'm about to be killed for doing this. Now, don't miss it. He's not going to be killed for any other reason. He's going to be killed because he's a faithful teacher of God's word. He says, it's right that I do this, and I'm about to be killed for doing this. But then his next verse says this, but I still want to do it, and I want to be so faithful in it that after I'm dead, you're still stirred up because I did this. That's what Peter says. It's right that I do it. I'm about to be killed for doing it, but I still want to do it to the extent that after I'm dead and gone, you'll still be stirred up because I did it. You may sit here and say, you know what, I, I just want this as a piece of my life. I just want this as a part of my life. I don't want it to overshadow the other areas of my life. I just want to go to heaven. Look at Peter. It was his life. Guys, we need to be the type of men that we can say, I give it all to you, Lord. I give it all to you. There's not a piece I'm holding back. There's not eight pieces and you get one of those pieces. I'm giving it all to you. And the, and the, and the fact that I'm giving it all to you means that it's all yours. And whenever I get up in the morning to when I go back down and lie down at night, I want to be useful for your cause. I want to bear fruit for your cause. I want to point glory to my Savior, Jesus Christ. What, what this set of verses says is this. Peter says, I'm all in. I'm all in. A lot of verses that get down to that. I'm all in. Here's the question. Is your faith a piece of your life? Or could you actually walk out of a men's lunch on Thursday and say, I am all in. I'm going to be real with you here. I'm going to close up in about two minutes. One of the things I hear all the time, and it, it just is, it's ridiculous, but it's one of the things that people like to, to say and like to throw around. People say, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. I go visit and I knock on the door and they say, oh, you're from Calvary Baptist Church. I'd go there, but you're all a bunch of hypocrites. I guess I'm supposed to feel bad. Well, I'm sorry I came. I tell them, yes, I'm the pastor. We're, we're a mess. We're sinners. We needed forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Yes, 
We're a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, you're a, I, I could never go there. I'm, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Let me tell you this, and this is very real. Biblically, there is no bigger hypocrite than to profess faith in Jesus Christ and to be anything less than all in. That's not biblical Christianity. It, it is time, and it's past time, and it's high time that men who would say, you know what, I am a sinner, and in my sin I deserve death, and Jesus took my beating for me, beat beyond recognition, had the beard pulled out of his face, had thorns pushed into his head, nailed to a cross, and died, and not only that, that was, that was horrible, but the wrath of God saved up towards sin is poured out on him. He took my punishment because I know what it means to be saved, because I know who my Savior is. I am all in. Greatest thing that happened, we walk out here with, with 10 of us. I am all in. No more compartments. I am all in. That's the example of Peter. That's our call as followers of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for these men that have come today. And I, I pray that their ears have been opened. I pray that you've spoken to them. I pray for followers of Christ here today that the, the Spirit of God that recorded and, and spoke this word is the same Spirit of God inside of them that, that helps them to attach and to live out this word. I pray that we would be able to say we're all in. I pray for some in this room that maybe they're realizing I'm not all in. That you would lead them to change. That you would lead them to be useful and fruitful for you I pray for some that realize I'm not even saved, that in the preaching of your good news, they would understand it's not upon me and my getting better. It's because of the finished work of Christ, and they might become saved. They might have a saving knowledge of Jesus. Lord, help us to be all in. Help us to pull out of trying to make you a piece or a sliver or a compartment in our life. Let our biblically driven Love and understanding of Jesus Christ shape us as dads and as husbands, as, as workers, as employers, as employees, as men who will walk and stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.